This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike! Mike, how you doing? Don't ask. Oh, bad. This instant reaction is a, it's a lot. I'll be completely honest. We're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. We are doing an instant reaction three hours after the Cincinnati Bengals game. And obviously, we've recapped it a lot during the week. But now, that was a loss. That was a big, ugly L to start the season. It was what I said on the pod, I think multiple times was the Bengals win this game unless they turn the ball over multiple times. Five. Then they have five. Was then all in the first half? I mean, no, no, four in the first half, one in the second half. But my goodness, the only way they win is with those turnovers because you throw a pick six, you give them field possession four other times. Well, the one pick I remember, they would have been better off swatting, but whatever. You honestly could have called them all interception. At least the one was ruled a strip sack for <laughs> if Burrow's going to have an all pro uh, case this season, but man, now you have to blame what TJ Watt just makes a superhuman defensive player of the year play on the one. And then I think you just, whatever Collins, I want him to take a shot at Watt every time he jumps because the guy's not going to jump if he's getting his ribs hit every time he tries to do that. But he's also setting like a normal, I think it was a little bit of a vertical. It was at least a deeper angle. So it's hard to do that because he's setting back. He sees him jump the reaction time. You're already like a, a yard or two away. I get it. You know, he couldn't get him, but that's just a superhuman play. But the other ones, I can't even blame wide receivers for the most part. Like the first play of the game was a sack Volson versus Hayward. I was hammering on that's being a terrible matchup for the Bengals. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I don't want to be vindicated this way on the first play of the game. Then the second play. Now I got a replay. I, I think it might have been quarters, but it could have been halves. It doesn't matter. Minka's all over the corner route. They ran what I call a knife concept, which is a corner from the inside guy and a, just a shallow in from the outside guy. And uh, Burrow's like looking at it, looking at it, and he's just so late. Like I, I think the entire first half, you could just say he was late on like everything. It was it was odd. Like he just wasn't in a groove. He was like that was a very late throw. It was also kind of it also felt a little bit like some of the throws just didn't I'm not feeding into the narrative, but they, they, they didn't have even the same amount of pepper that, you know, the little bit of mustard that he was able to put on them last year. It felt there was also that play in the end zone that gets tipped that uh, the attempt to at Jamar chase, I think it was on fourth down. 
towards the end of the game that got tipped and that i was when i was watching i was like yeah i get a little bit more on that because his corner was able to sink underneath and get a hand on it so my my instant reaction was uh and then the long snapper thing is just what a yeah i I mean uh how much can you blame mitch wilcox for trying to step in and do it but uh you you really can't and and honest i mean you can you honestly can at the same time. I, I say you can't, but at the same time, I, for, you can. for a backup long snapper that I, you know, you don't carry a backup long snapper. Like that was fine. If they blocked Minka, he they just hit that extra point and win the game. But here's the thing, that's a huge concern right now on this Bengals roster. I would be with you if Cal Adamitis wasn't on the on the practice squad. I feel like you just call him up, and I feel like it should be fine. But I don't know. I wasn't there in practice or anything to see how he was doing. It, it, for me personally, when I think of one of the weapons that this team has offensively on special teams is when you put Evan McPherson out there mm-hmm. and for that to, for him to not have his placeholder, that for me personally is going to be a concern because well, uh, we, snapper, they still have Huber. Yes. Yeah, uh, I know what you're bad. saying. That's my bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but not having Clark Harris out there. I think that's a concern when you go forward, because I do think of, hey, most of the time this team's going to walk away with points if they get to the 50, a little further from the 50. They're going to be fine. They'll have three or they're going to go for the touchdown. I never once thought when Chase got the touchdown that they weren't going to make the extra point. Oh, uh, I did. I, I literally, yeah, I remember I went, oh, my God, Clark Harris is out of this game. Who is a backup long snapper? But I didn't I, think about that at the time. Like, like, I immediately did. I was, of it. I was thinking because you know why I thought of it was they went for it on fourth down and that's when Burrow threw his fourth interception. Yeah. And at first I was like, hmm, you could argue take the points. And then I also thought, oh, yeah, the long snappers out. You kind of have to go for that. Um, or at least it makes way more sense to go for it. So then that was in my mind the rest of the time. It was just in my mind about like, oh my God, is this going to go to overtime? And then it did. (laughs) I mean, at one point, the whole overtime, I hate everything about overtime. I hate it because at that point, there's so many things we can break down of, did you do everything right? Did you kick at the right time? Should you have done this? Should you have done that? You're getting close to a tie. I want to give a slight defense for the two things that I think Zach Taylor is getting hammered for. Mm-hmm. I think he punts that ball at 15 seconds because he wants to slow the rush. Now you could have argued do it at 10, just get the extra five, but I don't think they wanted to wait till one second because uh, Wilcox is probably not getting it back there with the same speed that Harris could. And we saw that on the first extra point attempt because the, the reason it got blocked was because it was a tick slow. I remember watching, I went, Ooh, that's slow. That's, that's getting back to kind of slow. You can still bl- hold up the blocking, but Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt were both defensive player of the year level players today. And you just kind of have to accept that. And well, that's what he did. He just, he broke through the line. He was able to block it on a diving attempt because the, the snap was what a quarter second slower. And then the second one, it felt the second long snap he had felt like he was trying to get it back there with more velocity, but then ended up high. And then, it is usually on the snap anymore. It used to be the holder would find the laces and turn it out. But anymore, the snap is supposed to be such a process that these long snappers are actually getting the ball back so that the laces hit the holder in the hand so he knows where they are and can put it down. When it gets in that spot in between the hands and he can't feel the laces, the holder has to kind of guess which way it is and laces were in. Now you could argue McPherson still has to make that, 
but I, the whole operation just seemed off in general. So I don't know. I, the defense is basically you, you snap it on third down because if it's such a bad snap that you can't kick it, you don't want that to happen on fourth down. You want to be able to turtle and have another attempt. And then you snap the punt at 15 because the Steelers aren't ready for a snap at 15 seconds where you're trying to bleed the clock. So you'll be able to get that punt off. Here's the thing. And this isn't going to, people aren't going to like this on social media. Cause obviously I forgot how much people get frustrated after a loss because there were only so many last year. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a minute because they had such a great January, but you look at that game and there's opportunities. And I hate saying this because there were so many that this, this team should have won. It did give me vibes of the Bears game last year. Joe Burrow, you know, struggled in the first half and found a way to come back because I feel like we'd be talking about that Jamar Chase throw to, to tie the game more right now if they found a way to win. Um, had a little bit of Vikings vibes. Week one, you go to overtime, you find a way to win. Uh, you should win. A little, little ugly, but you find a way to win. Packers vibes. You know, the kicks at so many times you yeah. thought he was going to win the game. And I think I, I actually was near a Steelers fan during the game. And we both were like, I don't know what's going to happen. I <laughs> have no clue. They might tie. Your team might win. This team might win. You know, it's wild um, if you, you look at all the different angles of just how the game went. But you can't turn the ball over five times. Yep. That the, the only reason they were in the game is because Pittsburgh had a JV offense. I mean, they had one scoring drive from what I remember. Everything else was off the interceptions or at least maybe two field goal drives. It was basically the flea flicker. And then the last drive of the game, they were actually able to work something. And half of that was because Hubbard jumped offside. So they got a free play. So, uh, yeah, it, I mean, the defense played an A game. They, they honestly could have had – like if the offense doesn't turn the ball over, this is like a, a 10 to three slug fest victory for the defense, but the offense spotted Pittsburgh like 13 points. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, it's just really, it's frustrating. It was one of those games. If Cincinnati would have found a way to win and you make the extra point, it's 21, 20 games over, you move on. You're like, okay, they won that one. Not ugly, a lot to fix because you play Dallas in, in week two. But at the same time, let me ask you this, because I'll be completely honest with you. I'm against preseason games. I'm against starters playing in preseason games. I'm worried about injuries. We've talked about it before on this podcast. And I even kind of threw Pittsburgh out on this a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, why in the world would you play your starters in this third preseason game? They could get injured. That's silly. But at the same time, the two coaches go about it a little different. And I don't blame Zach Taylor at all because I think health is the best thing that you can possibly do in this loaded AFC right now. And the AFC North, it's a tough division and you've got to stay healthy because if you're healthy, outlook looks good. But at the same time, I feel like they went about it just a little bit different with preseason games. And I will always vote that Joe Burrow never takes a snap in preseason. But you also have an offensive line out there. We talked about it on the last podcast. It's their first game together. It's it's not an excuse because I get the, you know, the backlash of, oh, it's Justin Herbert's out there. Patrick Mahomes is out there. You know, they're not struggling. It's their first game. At the same time, there's a little bit of gelling and you have this new offensive line. Would you put any more, you know, 
would you would you look more about like not playing your your starters in preseason as it being a struggle or more of a concern of kind of how a little sleepy at times the offense looked? Um, so I almost think the the one guy I thought really looked rusty was Lyle Collins, and we almost had to expect this because he's played like two practices, and he's going against T.J. Watt. It, it, when I saw they weren't really giving him that much help early. And then they started doing the make Watt rush twice type thing where you get a hard chip and then Collins sets. And that's when Watt started just not even rushing in those moments. So that was an interesting chess match with Watt. But uh, yeah, I mean, this you, you're choosing to start slow versus having hitting the ground running, but with injury risk. And I think it is more important to keep the health because when you look back this past year, the Rams and Bengals by most metrics were top five in health. And then the year before the bucks were the number one healthiest team in the league. So when you're thinking about that in the super bowl and making these long playoff runs, it's a long season. If you expect to make the playoffs, I don't care about hitting the ground running. You could drop a game like this, still end up 11 and six, 10 and seven, make the playoffs and be healthy and go on a run there versus hitting the ground running, winning this game. I mean, it'd be great to get a win against your biggest rivalry at home, not be the biggest buzzkill that I can remember in, in I my I can't life. believe that game. The only one that comes close is that Stokely game. I, mean, I had less expectations for that team. That was just an insane catch. Um, the tip pass, Brandon yeah. Stokely, Leon Hall, he goes for oh, it. And everybody <laughs> thinks it's the coolest game, and I have to see all these replays, and I, I was devastated when that happened. Not to go too far back into that, but I am going to relive it for a moment because I remember everything about that game, if you do that it was so boring the yeah. whole game nothing was happening it was a home opener i was like whatever this game is going like it what a, who knows who's going to win but nobody's really doing anything and then the leon hall tip pass brandon stokely it was 80 I, I feel like the gus johnson call could like go right in my mind right now but we're not <laughs> going back into that i'm going to go back to the offensive line right now because overreaction sunday is really a thing um, there are a lot of people who are saying, oh, this offensive line is worse than it was when what Joe Burrow had last year. And I'm not ready to get there yet after one week. I still feel like it's their first game together. And that's extremely important. I can't think of another position where you're not gelling chemistry, building, getting games and reps, not practice related, taking those game day hits week one against a very good D line where it is a huge factor. I'm not reacting to it like that. I do think guys have to, you know, pick up some of the slack of what we saw this this week. And Joe can't take some of those hits. And and Joe can be to blame on that. We'll get to that more in, in our next segment. But what do you think about this offensive line? And it's not ready to overreact just yet. Yeah, I'm not overreacting. I, look, I've been hammering that Pittsburgh might have the best front in the entire NFL and led by TJ Watt, defensive player of the year, and played like it this today. Injury, you know. That sucks, but yeah, no, uh, and, and I will say this about TJ Watt. Obviously, again, we have see, we have social media out there, the videos, it's all you're gonna see everything after a game, the highlights and everything like that, cheap shots, things like that were gonna happen. Never want TJ Watt to be injured. We don't want that. I agree. Yeah, I've seen some of those Twitter takes, and it's just kind of sick to me a little bit. It's like I'm not rooting for him to get injured and no. Whatnot. No, we don't. We don't want injuries. I mean, you want to play guys at your fullest. And at the same time, obviously, TJ Watt is a great defensive player. We know that. Um, yeah. Uh, look, he played. Uh, there's been questions about, like, can he do it against a really good right tackle? And he did it today. I mean, he looked like the defensive player of the year. 
and then Minka looked like right behind him today. It was, ah, man. Yeah, so I don't care too much about the offensive line performance. Like, it's disappointing when you're expecting to be such a better group on paper. But like you said, they haven't gelled. You got a new center. I don't think they missed too many calls. It's tough to say also on these broadcast views because, you know, you, you can only see so much. I remember one free runner coming off of the left side. It was like the backside of a slide, and that'll happen. So I, I think Karras was fine. I thought Kappa, I don't. I have to go back and watch to make sure, but I thought he was the best player tonight uh, on on the offensive line. And then Jonah was uh, the first half. I think I thought he was solid in the second half, but that first half, Highsmith got the better of him, and that was a matchup I was banking on Jonah winning. So when the left tackle is getting beat by Highsmith and the right tackle is getting beat by the defensive player of the year, and Cam Hayward's taking advantage of your fourth round rookie. Is what it is. I don't think Karras and Kappa played poorly. And I think overall the office line is going to gel and Collins is going to knock off this rust. And, you know, Jonah's probably not going to lose like that to at least over an entire half to players like Highsmith. But that's why it ended up happening. Now, I, I think Volson is somebody you might need to protect against these good players because he's a fourth round rookie. And I think we have to be honest about it. I don't know if we expected him to step in and be this even solid level starter when he's he's kind of the big question on the offensive line and i'm not gonna give him too much you know crap today because he faced cam hayward for the most part but it is something to watch next week against a dallas line that isn't the interior isn't as talented yeah i think volson definitely had a welcome to the nfl moment and we knew about that going into this game of a, a rookie guard playing against some of the best defensive line like you said that they might face all season uh we'll get more into Joe Burrow's struggles, unfortunately, something we weren't really expecting in this game, but knew what he was going up against next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Like I said before, we knew this was going to be a challenge going against this defensive line. But with Joe Burrow, if someone worked, they would have told me. September 11th, Lindsey, Bengals Steelers. Joe Burrow. This offense is going to turn the ball over five times. They're going to go to overtime, lose the game within seconds, but still have a chance to win the game. But Joe Burrow, your guy, the franchise quarterback, going to struggle that much giving the ball away. And we mentioned in the first segment, there's not a lot you can really blame on the wide receivers. What happened to Joe Burrow today? Man, it felt like early he was just late on everything. And that's why all these interceptions were happening because – 
I know there's all this stuff and nobody wants to talk about how his arm strength is pretty average for a starting quarterback. And it's, it's great. He's still a great quarterback, but you have to be able to point out your weaknesses. And he's usually very good at overcoming that by being on time, accurate, everything. The first throw he had of the game, it was like, you have to throw that before the receiver's breaking. And then even other than that, maybe the read is the high low on the corner, but you have to be able to see that Minka is just right on top of that. So he throws it still, and it just ends up, oh, it's late and it's underthrown, and that's the easiest pick six Minka will have this season. And then um, other than that, it just a lot of these throws felt late. I know the one to Boyd was underthrown, in my opinion, because it looked like Boyd held up a lot to try to make that catch, and then it got undercut. Like he had his guy beat, and if you're able to lead him down the field, it it, it could be a touchdown, <laughs> but it was underthrown corner can get back in the play and make an interception so it felt yeah it just felt off late it felt like he wasn't seeing the field as well as he normally does Pittsburgh was able to either confuse him or at least give him something to make him hold the ball an extra tick and I don't know it, it felt early that way late in the second half I would say I think he played at least like a like a b level game the first half was an F minus to me <laughs> because it was just well, like, what you grade that. Though. I know it was probably the worst half of football we've ever seen him play at any level. Even like his, his junior year at LSU, he probably played better than this for the most part. It was, it was terrible. It, it was how you let Pittsburgh win that game because their offense isn't doing anything. Um, but and then you have to start hammering Joe Mixon because they, they just couldn't trust the passing offense. Part of it is the offensive line was giving up a lot of pressure, but we just have to be able to point the finger at Joe Burrow when he has a bad game because this probably isn't happening again. I don't think there's a chance. Knock on wood right now. Yeah, knock on wood, but I don't think there's a chance he does this badly in a half again over an entire game, probably not. Like the first half was so bad, it turns like the entire game into a stinker. Four interceptions, and he get, had the strip sack. It's just, that's rough. And, uh, I think a lot of people aren't complaining about the um, the early down runs, but according to the advanced analytics, it was within a one hundredth of a point of EPA per play between early down run and early down pass because of how many interceptions and sacks that were happening on those early down passes. So, yeah, it didn't matter. It was it was let him throw the ball and risk interception, but you're it's a little bit more efficient or you run the ball and it's not as efficient, but at least you're not turning the ball over. And I will say, I thought Joe Mixon had a really good game. I know he ended up at three yards per carry. A lot of that is they got really reliant on it and it felt, you know, Pittsburgh started teeing off a little bit on that, getting some negative plays out of it. But I'm thinking of that big, fourth and one run and credit to drew sample got a pancake on i think i don't want to say who it was but it was a linebacker linebacker in the hole i don't know if it was like an insert play for him to get in there and block that guy or if he was slicing across saw him haven't watched the replay but he gets in there and he turns him and puts him on his back and mix has just run right by him if only he could have beaten minka to the end zone and uh gotten that touchdown because that would have been the, the difference of the game because then you get a volson false start and then the whole drive's killed. But to me, I don't know about you, but it just felt like passing the ball was almost like a fruitless endeavor to start the game because of how off Burrow was, late and inaccurate. And then to go with that, I don't know, it's just the pass rush too. When he when he 
wasn't inaccurate. It felt like he was under pressure or taking a sack. And then he comes out in the second half and he's good. Yeah. And that's the thing at halftime. I knew Joe was going to go in the locker room and just be fine. But at the same time, it brought back the Browns game at Paul. It was Paul Brown stadium. Oh, I want to say that right. When it rained, it poured, but I almost don't feel like it was similar to this game because you still had a defense who showed up and still underrated after this game. But with Joe Burrow, it's the bears game. It's this game. And, and as you mentioned, I feel like we get it maybe once and a half, but Joe's going to be fine. One thing that I remember about Andy Dalton as a quarterback, and no offense to Andy Dalton, he's no longer here right now. I wish him all the best. But when Andy was bad, he was bad for the whole entire game. And there was no coming back from that. When Andy was okay, he was okay. He was an average quarterback. Everybody knew what they were getting from Andy Dalton. With Joe, he can come back in the second half and local cray. And we would be talking about them coming back and making it 20 all. It was still ugly. But at the same time, do you think with him, training camp, obviously everybody knows the appendix stuff. He had to miss a few weeks for that. No preseason games. I don't even want to bring that in as an excuse. But just in general, getting those reps with your wide receivers, your offensive line, kind of a little late into getting those in August. Is that a factor at all? Or do you think this team thought, nah, we have a good offense. We're going to be fine. You know yeah, part of me feels it is the appendix and not being able to practice, but he was able to practice a bit. I, don't, I think you can throw some blame at that, but to me, it felt a lot like they came into this game thinking they could just walk through it. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I shouldn't no, be saying I don't that. Think but, you are. That's the, but the first throw of the game is what it felt like. It felt like he saw his guy and he was like, oh, my guy's better than his. I'll just toss this one up and let him go make a play. And then it's a pick six. And then, you know, everything's real <laughs> to me. At least I was like, okay, that, now, now you got to turn it on because you can't be putting yourself in this hole. And then they kept digging the hole and we're not even having all this conversation if they could just hit the extra point, but it is just worth having of, you know, if the worst thing that happens to you over the course of the game is the quarterback, you're confident is a great quarterback has a terrible game, then you're fine because he's not going to have another game like this again. If that's the issue, that's okay. Now there's multiple issues. Does the pass protection get better? I think it does, but it is something to watch. Dallas has a talented front too, not on the interior as much, but they'll move Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence is a good player. Number one defense last year. And then uh, won't look ahead of that, but um, just you got to see how they improve. And then, you know, Zach Taylor is eh, what he is. He's not going to scheme guys with 15 yards of separation for the most part, but to me, he's he's going to get his guys the you know he gets his playmakers one on one opportunities. Can they win those? And that usually determines the game. And we also have to point out, T. Higgins' injury was big. I mean, you had the multiple times it felt like a ball to Mike Thomas, the one he alligator armed over the middle, and they end up getting a touchdown there. But that was in my opinion. I was just like, oh man, T. catches that. T. catches that. Comes down. Maybe takes a big hit, but he's going to catch that and come down with it. There was the, uh, there was a deep ball, I believe on the left sideline. And I think Burrow may have thrown it a little bit too far out of outside, but still I'm like, ah, T six, four, maybe he can come down with that. It's just, they also would respect T a lot more than they were probably respecting, you know, Mike Thomas, all credit to him. Great catch in the two point conversion, but overall it was just very, 
you know, you really want T. Higgins in there. Tyler Boyd was leaving with cramps. The Bengals' offense ran 100 plays, so this makes sense and why the Steelers' defense was all cramping up too. Mm-hmm. But overall, I looked at it, and I was very concerned after the first half about what the offense was going to be. But once – and I will say the protection even gelled better in that second half. I don't think it was perfect. I think a lot of people are going to think about that T.J. Watt play, but that was a hands to the face where he got injured. It was – Collins falls down because there's two hands on his chin <laughs> lifting his helmet off. I wasn't that concerned about it. I, I wasn't that concerned about the pass protection in the second half. Even the interior against Hayward seemed to be doing better. Some of you that you could say is the Steelers defensive line just getting gassed, but I think the it was just gelling more as a unit. And then the whole offense is just rocking and rolling, but it was, it was a big hole and they didn't find a way to come out of it. They The offense really didn't deserve to win. And I think that's okay. Burrow didn't deserve the win. He might've been the worst player on the field tonight. And that's okay. We can admit these things because they're probably not going to happen again the entire season. So to me, you, you have a not good offensive performance led by something that's not sustainable because Burrow playing this poorly isn't sustainable. That's not going to happen again. I want to bring up the T hands thing as we record this week because he is under concussion protocol and a lot can happen. He could be back Wednesday, Thursday when I feel like we'll really get an update on his status for the game in Dallas, which is huge and something we should pay attention to because we've talked about it before. When it comes to health, we talk about these wide receivers, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, Jamar Chase. Did they play game last year without T Higgins? 100%. They played the first Steelers game without T last year, but at the same time, he's a major factor on this offense. He'd be a number one wide receiver on a lot of NFL teams teams out there and I don't feel like that's a hot take so yes not having him is huge in the second half there's criticism after a loss as we've talked about it before and you mentioned it in the first segment with Zach Taylor you go back to just seconds minutes in the fourth quarter of what looked to be a Jamar Chase touchdown this team challenges they're challenge happy they're not afraid to challenge things were you a little surprised they ran that next play so quickly and didn't challenge that legitimately uh i don't even know if surprise i might have been shocked because yeah. they wasted the time out right after <laughs> they, they could have just thrown the challenge flag and if you lose you lose the time out but oh my god i i i yeah i couldn't believe it I, especially when everybody was watching the replay and it's close like that's the thing is just it was so close that you just throw the challenge flag in my opinion just just because it's so close. If you can get the six-point swing, and maybe you're just confident your offense can still score, but then Burrow throws a little bit of a, a little uh, floater, and the corner's able to get under it and tip it back, and now you're walking with zero points when you could have had seven. That's, that's brutal to me. It, it's just because I think there's been plenty of screenshots, replays that look quite a bit like he had that ball across the, the goal line, that's rough. That's that's rough to not throw the challenge when you know that Zach Taylor does like to throw the challenge flag. Now it's a whole replay crew, I believe. So upstairs, maybe didn't think it was worth it, or they needed more time to review it. But yeah, when when they didn't throw a challenge flag and it was that close to being a six point swing, that's the big thing to me. It's just the offense isn't cooking against the Steelers' defense. Getting that touchdown was huge, but they they didn't throw a challenge flag. They let it go, and then. You don't score. <laughs> yeah. You take away the offensive line. Obviously, we talked about that. Their first game together, Joe Burrow, he was bad today. 
And we can talk about that when Joe Burrow is bad, because hopefully that's the last time we see Joe Burrow that bad in a first half of NFL game, especially at home against Pittsburgh, which, you know, I felt like they had pretty much a shot in this game, even though we were a little, little worried about it. Besides all of that, what concerns you about this offense right now? Yeah, I mean, I am a, a little bit concerned about when defenses go into those. I think Pittsburgh was playing a lot of, you know, too high, let's protect deep and get some doubles on these wide receivers versus stacking the box. And when the offensive line isn't able to run block, do you have answers? Because Burrow ends up with uh, average depth of target that's like 6.7 yards, and that's well under average for him and the league. And that signifies to me that he needed to get the ball out both quick and underneath. So when that happens and then Mixon, while I think he had a great game, there were just too many plays that got completely blown up. That part looked a little bit like last year where guys would miss a block and stuff. But that's also in my mind where it's like, that's just the offensive line gelling. That's the defense being able to tee off because they know what's coming because they kind of, turtled up in the end of that first half to be able to just get out of there with some points. I don't know. The concern for me is what is your answer when the deep threats of the offense are taken away? Can you find a way to dink and duck down the field or run the ball with efficiency? They didn't show it today really. And that would be a concern for going into the future of, is that a way to play this team? Can you take them away? Because they don't, ha- they don't have the protection. This could get better. I think it gets better. Does it? We'll see. Do They don't have the protection to work the uh, intermediate middle of the field, and they don't have the run blocking to be able to pound the defense for playing these you know, deeper shells, playing even in the box versus plus one. So that's what I'm looking for is just can they find a way to punish teams for doing that? Or if a team has a good front and – can beat this offensive line are they just fine to just play deep and try to force everything underneath all right well we'll have more coming up like i said we have a week where we'll get updates on t higgins status a look ahead to dallas but next what did we learn after week one on it's always game day in cincinnati another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We've talked Joe Burrow, a little bit of the struggling offense, 
sticking up for Zach Taylor at times in this game because he's getting a lot of criticism right now on social media if you've had a chance to check Twitter. Uh, we look ahead, though. Rebound a little bit of react overreaction Sunday going into Monday. You look at this defense. We've talked about it plenty of times. I feel like this defense is still underrated. Yes, they are playing Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers offense, who have a few star wide receivers. You can't overlook this offense, even though their quarterback is who he is. The defense is still legit. I know there's no moral victory, silver linings. You take the L, you give the ball away five times on offense, you struggle, you don't make the extra point. You should have won this game. But at the same time, I'm I'm here for optimism, Mike. What do you think about this defense right now? Oh, I love the defensive work. I know it's against not great opponents, but yeah. I mean, Trubisky today ended up with uh, EPA per play of negative 0.09. Burrow ended up with negative 0.14, but that tells you how bad five turnovers is and then how bad Trubisky plays off of that with zero, no turnovers, one sack, and he still ends up in the negative for his EPA per play. So that's just awesome performance from the defense. I thought overall, given that they were just in such bad spots, it felt like all the time, at least in the first half, they just played their heart out. I mean, stopping, there was the big one where uh, the third down and third and goal, it was from like the one or two yard line. They threw a pass to Frymuth and I just see Von Bell man coverage and he locked him up. And, and that's a step in the right direction. It was hard to really get a focus on what exactly the defense is doing. I thought a lot of Pittsburgh's offense was very much weird and why I think of Matt Canada's Wario, because it was like shift to motion to run a shovel screen to Fryermuth, And I was like, two yards. <laughs> it's like, God, that's a lot for nothing. And then they, they ran that shovel screen so much. It was like by the end, they were sitting on it. It was, it was weird. But um, yeah, I, I really like the defensive performance. I know it's against Mitch Trubisky. I know it's, not a great offensive line. They're still good weapons, and I thought the coverage was solid, although I will say there was at least one play where Pickens had a step and a half, but Mitch threw it about 15 yards off, and that happens. That's just – that'll happen. You you will leave them one play where they could have had a big gain, and I think there was that flea flicker that went for a big gain too. But really, they – an entire overtime and I can only think of about three, four plays that, you know, they didn't come away with a, what I thought would be a, you know, like stopping the offense, at least from getting an explosive type play. That's fine to me. There are no big touchdowns. There was just the one yard swing pass to uh, Najee Harris, which happened after a defensive pass interference to give him three more downs. So I don't think we have given the defense enough credits because of the loss and how everybody wants to talk about the offense and how poorly they played the defense. I mean, to me, that was like a, a, they should have only given up like three points in that game. And then they end up giving up however many, I don't remember if it was a 20 or 20, it was 23. Uh, They ended up with uh, giving up. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, They ended up giving up 23 because of how, badly they were put into situations but they made me confident for the rest of the year in terms of yeah this defense could legit be top 10 top 8 top something but we have to see it against good offense but even against a bad a bad offense it just felt very much like a a dominant performance from them 
yeah, and the thing is, and this game had zero to do with officials. I'm not here to be like, oh, uh, Jamar Chase was in the end zone. I should have counted as a touchdown. There was one that um, I feel like this defense would have liked back because I don't think it was the right call on Cheeto in the game. I thought that was kind of a, a weak call. But, that again, this game was not about the officials. You can't give the game away. You can't give five turnovers away and expect to win a game. You lost the game. The Steelers won. But you look at this team as a whole. We talk about the defense we talked about the offense, who is just taking a little bit longer to gel. I think this could be a more of a concern if you're getting into week two, three, four, and they're not really working out that great. But you look at the AFC North. Here's where the bad news comes in. They're the only team to lose in week one. You watch the Ravens play. I mean, goodness. You can say it's a bad team, but it's still an NFL team. And I still like the Jets, even though their quarterback situation, even when Zach Wilson is healthy and back out there, I still don't feel great about their quarterback room, but they still have talent around them in New York. And then you have the Browns who win last second field goal, find a way to win with the quarterback they have out there, but their defense is legit. Cincinnati falls to last in the division. What do you make of that? Are there concerns right now? There's a, the, the mild concern for me is that you dropped a division and AFC game. So that matters a lot for tiebreakers. Um, other than that, not too, too concerned just in terms of, I think they'll still finish first or second in this division and probably make the playoffs. But I do think this is a game you don't drop. Like next week is the game you can drop and be okay. <laughs> now you really, you could still drop that, but starting 0-2 is terrible. That That's, that's, not a that's that's playing like the first half offense where you're digging the hole and trying to come out of it especially when this is the easier part of the schedule to me so they still i think you want to be seven eight wins by the bye week i'll say six seven eight wins by the bye week you dropped a game you should win you have to expect that'll happen at some point it happened last year twice with the bears and the jets so you gotta be able to come back and you know the the poor part is that it was a division game that's no way around it. That's just that's going to affect tiebreakers. Could that lead to Baltimore winning the division if you split with them? Yeah. I mean, does Baltimore drop games to Pitt? They haven't always played them well, but I don't know. And Baltimore looked really good today. Cleveland, they were able to squeak out a victory against the Panthers. I don't think the Browns, just because Watson's suspended so long, that I don't think they're a serious uh, problem. And I don't think Pittsburgh is a serious issue either. So I don't think this is going to matter for a head to head type situation, but it matters for the Ravens. I mean, if the Ravens can pull out 11 wins and the Bengals can find a way to 11 wins. Now you're looking at maybe they get in and get home field advantage instead of the Bengals. And that's rough. So you don't control your own destiny anymore for the AFC North. Uh, I guess you still do in terms of you could beat the Ravens twice, but you've lost a little bit of your control, I guess is what I should say. You lost a little bit of your control of your own destiny where you should have won this game. You were the better team going in. The only way you lose is multiple turnovers. And then you give Pittsburgh the perfect recipe for the game. You blow it. Now it's it just – this is like a one-and-a-half loss compared to losing an NFC game is just a, a loss. It's just – it hurts the tiebreakers so much. Yeah, and Joe Burrow talked about that in his Wednesday press conference, that this game counts more than one one win when you look at the standings, just the AFC North alone. And then obviously it's the opener. You want to win this game. You want to set a tone, and then you forget about how ugly it really looked. For Joe, this sounds corny. People make fun of him right now. He was the last one at his locker. He's staring there. He's not getting a shower. He's not. He's talking to media. He did all of that, and he just stayed there. 
and he's just not talking to anyone after that. What does that mean? Is that scary for the AFC and the NFL? (laughs) Joe's going to be fine. To me, it means whatever you want it to mean. I think I think he just knows how poorly he played, and he's just it's look. I've been there playing high school sports, just like sitting down, like oh my god, like that was terrible from me. Like I can't believe I played that bad or something like that along those lines. Or I can't believe we let this one get away type thing. And it's just tough to overcome, especially when you're as hyper competitive as Joe Burrow is to be to go out there, lose to your biggest rival on the home opener, buzz killing the entire fan base. And then also you're probably the biggest reason it happened, man, that's rough. So does he come back and is he strong against the Cowboys next week? I think so. But I think that's, that's you know, he could start writing the narrative for he's, you know, he, he's, his mind's in Dallas, you know, he's going to beat the Cowboys to make up for this type thing. It, know. It, yeah. It's whatever you wanted to, you know, otherwise you could also say like uh, something along the lines, just like, you know, he's just kind of what I'm saying in terms of like, yeah, he's just kind of reflecting on a very poor game. But if you want to say that, you know, this is concentration. This is Jordan after losing his starting job as a uh, freshman or something type thing. It's whatever you want. I don't know. To me, I don't buy into these things too much, but it is it is interesting in like, you know, he's he's definitely thinking a lot about and reflecting about this game. And I don't think he'll make the same mistakes next week. Joe Burrow reminds me a lot of how I was at the Super Bowl. We get back to the hotel after the game and the people that I'm with, my family, they're like, oh, let's go to dinner. Let's get something. And I was like, why would we do that? We can't go anywhere right now. They just lost this game 23 to 20. And I'm just like, I'm not going anywhere. You go eat dinner and I'll stay in the hotel room and I'll just stare at the TV and be like, I can't believe they just lost that game. That was wild. And that wasn't great. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. And look, this may come back to jinx us. We'll remember in week one, we obviously will have the audio recorded. I think Joe bounces back. I don't know if it's against the Cowboys or or what the season, but Joe's not going to play the way he did in this first half. We said it last year. People were hammering this team after they fell to the Bears. This guy, well, Joe, there's something wrong with Joe. Like he's not. Joe played at an MVP level last year with the offensive line he did have. I still feel like this offensive line is going to be better. And maybe this is more of an optimistic final 60 seconds on the podcast of um, reaction after a recap of their first game of the season. Offensive line will play better. Joe Burrow will play better. The good news is you have a legit defense that we've talked about plenty this offseason. And even last year, they didn't get the respect they deserved. I think they're going to get it because there's going to be a lot of games this season. Either the offense is going to win it for you or the defense is going to win it for you. There is a little bit of concern for me personally, and hopefully it's not a big deal, that Clark Harris is back. And you figure that out because I still feel like that chemistry with Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, and Evan McPherson is a huge deal when it comes to a weapon and you think about special teams. That is a concern for me this week. T. Higgins, can this guy come back? Have they played without T. Higgins before? Yes, we've talked about that. They they missed him in early last year, and he, and he bounced back, and he's a great wide receiver. You need him out there. It is concerning when Jamar Chase is out there, and, and maybe Tyler Boyd get cramps, and he's on the sideline. He did come back. Tyler Boyd will be fine. But – there's concerns. The thing is, the good news, it's week one. Yeah, Every- it's basically yeah, basically what I was saying is just to me, there's concerns, but most of them I feel pretty optimistic about. Um, I th- the second half of the game really just let you. Th- I watched it, and to me, it was a lot of like, yeah, that's what I expect this Bengals team to look like. Still not perfect, 
that's what I thought the game was going to be like, you know, an interception here or there, like one or two. And, you know, sometimes the offense isn't moving the way you wanted it to. I, I kept thinking that this game was just going to be an annoying win, but it ended up being a loss because they gave the ball away so many times. It's just, yeah, I think, I think you saw the recipe for what the Bengals offense will look like and the defense will look like in the second half of this game and overtime. They should have won overtime, but they just didn't have a long snapper and, and another one, <laughs> another miss. That game took like 5 billion hours. Oh, I had a heart rate of 150 for like four hours. I, I, I mean, honestly, to go back to that, I don't want to relive that unless it's like the end of the season. They win the UFC North. They're fine. They're going to the playoffs. They're winning playoff games. I don't ever want to relive week one because of how long it took. They didn't really have a whole lot to do with the Steelers. Of course, it's Pittsburgh. It's an AFC North game. But just in general, to think that they were going to win so many different times if you're a Pittsburgh fan, if you're a Cincinnati fan, and for it to go the way it did. Uh, yeah, I think Joe bounces back. We'll have plenty coming up this week. Obviously, like I said before, we'll have injury updates, a look ahead. I know that you'll have plenty on all Bengals. What's up there this week? I don't know yet. I, I'm going to watch the that. game. I love that. Honestly. <laughs> I'm going to watch the game over again. And it, my mind is feeling something defense to be optimistic after this loss, but it could also be a look into the offensive line and maybe something that could have gone wrong. It could have been, it, it could be a lot of things right now. So I don't know yet. Um, but you know, you could look at the first versus second half of Joe Burrow and how he played. There's, I'm going to watch the game over on coaches film and come up with an idea, but <laughs> I don't know yet. I know it's only week one, but I feel like the Bengals fan base could use some optimism because I said it, I actually said it on Twitter. I said, I'm way too optimistic after this loss because they looked bad in the first half, but I'm like, things will be fine. I feel like, again, we could feel differently in about four to five weeks and I could say, well, they're not very good. They're going to struggle. <laughs> um, but at this moment in time on September 11th, after their first week one game against the Steelers, I'm, I'm not ready to throw in the towel. And I, I wouldn't think that Bengals fans who've experienced this franchise their whole entire life, or even in 2021 that, yeah, you're going to have some duds. And unfortunately happened in week one for this team but plenty on all Bengals uh, maybe Bengals underscore Sands will have a look at the defense because like I said we, everyone can use a little optimism going into the week in Dallas because that's going to be another difficult one for them but we'll be back this week make sure you're following along Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson we will have more pods coming out this week and then a look ahead to Bengals and the Cowboys on it's always game day in Cincinnati <laughs>